Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Making Disciples Everyday podcast. My name is Jason Dukes. I'm on team here with the Brentwood Baptist Family of Churches and my colleague and friend and partner in crime and fellow rap enthusiast, Dr. Hmm. Paul Wilkinson. Try to be. All right. All right. He's on with me. And listen, I don't participate. (laughs) You weren't in a rap group like in middle school? Mm, Only only in my dreams, I think. Uh uh So we we have with us today, though, special guest, uh, the good Reverend Mac Johnson. And he's never gone by that title before, but nonetheless. So Mac is on team here with us and has something special coming up this weekend. He can talk about that if he wants to or not. Uh, or excuse me, something that just happened this last weekend, I should say. Uh, uh, he can talk about that whether he won or not. And so that may make you go, well, why is he with y'all not on his honeymoon? Well, you can you can do the math of when we record these and work it out. But all that to say, um, all that to say, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, brother, and uh, kind of what you do around here. Sure. No, it's good to join you guys. I uh, My name is Mac. I work on the student ministry team and I uh, do the groups and leadership for the Brentwood campus here, trying to plug and help students belong in a, in a group uh, at the church and uh, get them involved in discipleship opportunities on Wednesdays and Sundays and throughout the week. And so I've been here since January of 17, and uh, it's been a fun little run so far. I'm getting to hang out with you goons for a little bit. Well, it's a blessing. Goons uh, is appropriate. <laughs> Maybe not me so much. No, not for you as much. Yeah, no, it's it's been special having you here, man. And That's I know right. I'm sure uh there are a lot of students and a lot of moms and dads mm-hmm. too that would that would echo that. And so um so we're talking today about the true north of politics. He skipped over what happened, what what this weekend was about. So I'm assuming you want to move on flying. Oh no, man, it. I can tell I'm getting married. Ah, I'm getting married, and so uh, on September one, and so that was yes, yeah, so pumped about it, and so I'm ready to skip down, hang out with my bride. So yeah, the, in other words, he ain't listening to the podcast though, when, when it's released, so it's all good. Um, but no, um, man, we're talking true north in this series, wanting to find our true north. I think it's a, I, I love the focus of the series overall, and and what it's trying to challenge us as not only as people who have faith and belief and and who who trust the scriptures and read the scriptures so to speak but just as people who are engaging in disciple making because you know a, a walk a walk with Jesus is not just a walk for Jesus and so you know what are we doing with him and how are we living on mission and, and purpose with him and and so if if we do that in the everyday and the norms of our life that will include politics. Mm. And so this week, uh, or this last Sunday, uh, when you're listening to this, this last Sunday, the uh, the message was on the true north, finding our way in politics, that, that stuff. Why would we ask you uh, to come on and hang with us on this topic? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but <laughs> no, I uh, before serving in Brentwood, I was in Washington, D.C., serving as congress- congressional aide uh, in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, uh, working specifically in policy mm-hmm. and uh, worked for a great member of Congress who loves the Lord. And uh, yeah, I'd spent three years uh, in a very interesting time in American political history uh, trying to find out how can I live missionally uh, as a staffer in the halls of Congress and let Jesus receive all the glory and honor. 
uh, while I was up there, and it was definitely a challenge. But I think I learned a lot, had a lot of different self-introspection um, as I, you know, sought after how can I combine the Great Commission and the Greatest Commandment with doing public policy. And uh, I think I was able to find a way to do it and uh, learned a lot, messed up a lot, but at the same time saw that some correlation was up there. Uh, that you can be uh, someone sold out for Christ, but also loving Him uh, by writing bills as we as we are moving forward in our country with some really cool freedoms that are unique uh, in the world right now. Very cool. Do you mind me asking? I won't ask who's yeah. because uh, any who questions, but do you mind me asking what what were what was what was that like? What was what was maybe one experience and then maybe one bill that that you thought, man, this was just so special to be a part of. Sure. Yeah. So I worked, I started as an unpaid intern when I first got up there in 2014 and I just thought I was going to push papers, you know, do the grunt work of that. But I really saw even from the bottom up some really cool ways that, uh, when a congressional offices run well, it serves its people, uh, and it treats people with fairness and dignity and respect. And so, uh, the office that I worked in was very just a is a team atmosphere, camp atmosphere, almost camp staff. Huh. That's kind of how it was organized. And so, uh, I got to work my way up through the chain and uh, become w- more of a policy, you know, expert and stuff uh, within the health, education, labor um, section of of Congress, specifically hmm. policy. And uh, and so working my way up getting to see, okay, how can I love people by enacting policy, writing policy that, you know, puts their best health interests at heart? How do I, you know, love people by, you know, providing, you know, breaking down barriers within the educational space so that kids can have the freedom to learn and to explore and to use their minds to the glory of God, right? How can people assemble? Uh, How can they be represented well in their workspace for them to receive fair wages, uh, how can they, you know, feel representation, right? Um, I think all of those go yeah. back to treating people with dignity and respect. And so mm-hmm. uh, it was really neat just to kind of see. And I, again, uh, the the member that I worked for always said, I just want to combine the Great Commission and public policy. Hmm. How do I make disciples by loving them well? And I want everyone. He used to tell me all the time, he says, when I walk into a room, I don't really want to be the expert in that room. I want you to prepare me well. But I want people to see that I believe every person is created with dignity and value in the image of God, worthy of loving others and loving Him with those gifts. So and uh, and so that was neat. I think it was a different perspective than what we see on the media every day. Yeah. Uh, and so of how yeah, common... it's not exciting or controversial enough to <laughs> to just love people and want to disciple yeah. them. It's it's, boring. Yeah, Paul, you're right. I think that it's amazing. I used to always think people were so far away on mm. the ideological and partisan spectrum, uh, but it's not. It's just the issues that we disagree on are very loud yeah. and very attractive from a media con- cons- consumption perspective. Uh, and so uh, people agree on a lot, and we do a lot of things differently when we're in front of a camera. Uh, and I think that's that's an interesting telling of human nature yeah. um, when we do that. But during my time working, you know, in briefings or in meetings, writing constituent mail, I just that was one of my big job responsibilities to hmm. let people know of in the district and state that I represent or that I was working to represent that that they're cared for, that their wow. voice is heard. That's what's unique about the American experiment, in my opinion, is just that. Um, gateway to communication yeah. and uh and to you know be able to feel you're being adequately represented uh was really neat so 
just just really valuing the person as it makes up the whole was one of my favorite experiences while I was up there. That's good. So, so, I mean, y- your experiences obviously gave you an inside look, and it's cool to hear that the inside look maybe even was turned out better than you thought it would. Yeah. Um, which I think is cool. We're we're very polarized right now. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I'm bringing any new revelation to anyone saying that. If not, they're not paying attention to the media at least. And and like you said, it could be the media is is somewhat promoting that mm-hmm. because it helps ratings. But at the same time, the culture right now feels charged, sure. right? Like we feel. I think there's some volatility and. I mean, if I'm a follower of Jesus and, and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I voted for this person or I didn't vote for this person or who should I vote for? or What, how should I think of this political process? What's a starting point? Like in your opinion and in the ways that you had to process that and your own experiences, where do you help somebody just even start to think about that? I mean, yeah, I'm a student of history. That's that's what I think, and I think God gives us mind and wisdom to be able to process things well. And so when you look at our current political climate, yeah, it's pretty divided. It's pretty polarized. Um, but if you look back in, in, in the way and what the effects of sin are, we all have a struggle with idolatry. Hmm. And I think what you've seen within history and biblical um, what happened with sin is that we created an idols and we created idols based out of currently where we're at. You look at the Vietnam era, you look at the way authority was challenged in the sixties. Well, now these people are in charge, right? And wow. so people within our country are, that's the adult generation that's leading. And so they're not, they're not only trusting in authority, they're making this game of politics, their idol. And so it's created this really funky formula and concoction to where we have such a, well, this is my space. I'm right. You're wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to scream it to the rooftops to let you know that. Hmm. Well, at the end of the day, what we're seeing in the hearts of men and women across our country, myself included, right? I've had to find myself checking my attitude, hmm. is realizing I can't have my hope and faith in what a, in what a man-made myth you know, institution is, right? Yeah, My hope yeah. and faith is in the one who never changes, the one who's always going to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so for me, I have to check and say, yeah, there's things that we can advocate for, that we can be a part of the political process, but when it becomes our Lord, mm-hmm. that's when we, we're seeing the effects of, you know, that highly partisan, highly debatable, you know, big atmosphere to where people just are like, you're tribal, you know, where yeah. they just they they feel like they need to be a part of some type of collective group, or they'll get lost, right, or homeless. Yeah, yeah I think it's really interesting that you so naturally went to idolatry, because our text yesterday was Romans thirteen, where we talked about politics relation to the government, but Romans one opens with that that exact issue. No. So the issue is that the people recognize God. Probably the Gentiles are in question here but recognize God, but didn't treat God as such. Instead, turning to worship, not the immortal, but the mortal, starting with man and then moving to creatures. So it's just very interesting, your mind no. your mind went there, because I think Romans goes there, and yeah. I think you're right about that. No, it's good. Yeah, and I, I think, I, I love how you said it. I think it's the screaming from the rooftops to let you know how you're wrong. I mean, you know, we've never been united as the United States around 
preferences or around even ideas. Mm. If we're honest, we've really only ever been united because of freedom. Sure. I mean, now, you know, I think as a go- as gospel bearers and gospel believers, I think we recognize that we are united around Jesus and mm-hmm. only he is a uniter, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so many other facets of our faith that, that do not unite us because we've, in many ways, like you said, we make idols out of them. Mm-hmm. But if in, in the case of the United States, the, it was united originally in the hope of freedom for all who would step foot on this, on this space. Sure. And, you know, you think about though now where we are, have we forgotten that? Mm. Have we forgotten? Like what, what, what are we, what's going to unite us again in this, in this stage and in this space, in your opinion? I mean, that's, Man. that's a subjective question. If I had that answer, I think, you know, the correct answer, a lot more people would have come up with it before me. Um, so it's, well, I was going to, at the end of the podcast, we're going <laughs> to announce Max run for president yeah. in 2024. Just so. a big <laughs> PR stunt right here. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting. I think in order for us to be able to heal, we have to continue to look at people as image bearers. Right. Mm. And so that just as my, you know, person who may have different political beliefs and has come to those conclusions in a totally separate way, that doesn't negate the fact that he or she, uh, was created in the same image that I was, right. Yeah. That I'm an image bearer of the almighty. Uh, and then I think that brings dignity and respect in the equation, and that changes how we interact with each other. It's the same thing. If you love God appropriate with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, part of that is obviously who you are, what you're created to be, your physical abilities and your mental abilities. When those things transform, they transform us to how we relate to one another. Yeah. And and so for us, how am I a good steward of the mind and the body that God gave me, right? And then when that happens, then I love my brother and my sister well. And so it's, again, that's why I went back again with history. I think it's important here because when we get lordship wrong, that's when everything crumbles because Mm -hmm. God's not in his rightful place. He is the king, right? And so for me, I have to go back all the time because I I have a little rebellious streak all in me. And I love to kind of see things burn a little bit, right? (laughs) But that's, that's a knock. That's something that I have to appropriate and say, God, you're in control. And so I have to give him his rightful spot there. And yeah. so when I start seeing and treating people with no dignity or respect, it's because I don't see God and there's great lordship, right? Yeah. And so once I love him well, I think people will start uh, treating each other well and treating each other better. And I, again, I think you see all the time in biblical examples, people hanging on the public square debating. I don't think that's wrong, sure. right? I don't think that's wrong at all. Jesus did it. He mm-hmm. did it very much like in his ministry. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, I think God allows, I think that's part of community is that we use each other. Sharpening, sharp, iron sharpening iron just looks differently than the way that we've been, we've seen that biblical kind of example. Uh, and so I think if we get, if we love God well and appropriate his authority, well, uh, we don't put our stock in the human uh, authority, uh, but we love people well. And it kind of sounds hippie-ish, ish, yeah. but I do believe that it's organic in its nature and that there's a lot of fruit that can come of it. So, I mean, what do y'all think? I mean, does that does that make sense? I mean, to me it does, because I, I really respect and appreciate that you're saying, or what I'm hearing you say is, you know, everybody has value and at least to, to Jesus is worth dying for. Sure. So in, it's it's not only this issue, but no. here's another way to say that. Who's the enemy? Yeah. 
right? Like, we, you know, you, we, we won't be who we were intended to be if we forget who the enemy really is. And sure. The enemy's not the person across the aisle. The, the enemy's not the person who has such a, a radically different idea of living than I do. Mm. They're not necessarily the enemy. Now, I get it. I mean, even in biblical examples, you have people who signed on to whatever the purpose was of, of the evil forces that were at work there. And you've yeah. got, you have in the biblical narrative, evil forces and the, and the, and the spirits of evil mm-hmm. who latch on to the kingdoms of men and do that. And, but God is so, he's so mighty mm. and in control that he even uses that. Like, you can't read Revelation sure. and not see that he even uses how that, knowing ahead of time what that evil is going to do, he even uses that to integrate and move toward his purpose of redemption and restoration. And and, and I think does it at the surprise of those evil forces, if that makes sense. And so, you know, I think, I think in that sense, we can't forget who the enemy really is. Just because someone may have a radically different idea of living than me doesn't mean their value has exited the building. Sure. It doesn't mean that I need to now conquer them, right? That's just not who – I don't understand why anyone would ever consider a my way as the only way. And now – like to me, that's why we re- there was a revolution sure. and we established the United States of America yeah. was because we decided we wanted a place where we were free, and we and and in other words, we created security. We did mm. protect each other. We did, but we weren't out to say you have to live my way or worship my way or, yeah. and I you know those kinds of things. And I think that that, and from a disciple making standpoint, that's critical. Yeah, because you you're gonna you won't even have a chance to um to to let someone know why the gospel even means mm. something to you if you can't see them with the same value that Jesus does, that the cross declares over them. It's kind of a funny catch-22 when you think of it, because because of the freedoms that America has, we live comfortably in the American church, knowing that we can operate and function well with the, according to what we believe is God's mission and vision for our life, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't live out the mandates of Scripture with the same type of urgency that we honestly evangelize our political beliefs with. Absolutely. Does that make sense? It and does. So, I mean, we're, we're, we'll proselytize to the moon and back what we believe how, you know, Congress should vote on this certain bill, right? But we won't go to our neighbors and have the same type of urgency when we know the loss and searchings all around us, right? And yep. so it's just a funky thing when you think about it that way. But that's, again, misplaced authority, I think, for us as we're trying to really discern the the will of God and how we operate in whatever kingdom we're under, mm-hmm. we still know who's on the throne yeah. and we understand that he's coming back one day and all will be made new, including corrupt governments and people who put themselves over the, the many. And so it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's a funny business yep. we're in right now. Yep. Yeah. So I might be leaping ahead with this to the technology weeks, but um, I hear what you're saying, and I've tried to make a similar point previously, is that I've impressed by the extent and depth to which our people can defend their political views, and I've been discouraged by the shallowness and superficiality of which they defend their theological sure. and biblical views. And and I wonder why part of it may be misplaced lordship, and then uh, a function of that would be consumption. Mm. And I think about how much news we watch and consume 
Um, as I got new stickers going across my screen right now, I'm in the, um, you know, the guilty party here. I just don't think we consume nearly as much Bible or theology or spiritual things as we consume political things. Sure. Uh, it, but it's something that can't, can't be avoided. Is there a way, both you being on the inside now on the outside, how do you juggle the balance? Yeah, I mean, the beautiful thing about technology is the way that it's made the world small hmm. and how much can be accomplished in such a shorter amount of time, including on the political stage, right? And the fact that we can use so much and reforms are helping, are happening in our healthcare industry. Reforms are happening in our cybersecurity and our, in our safety and our defense. Like, so much of that is awesome. But in the same time, what we're seeing like you said, Paul, is that we're we're struggling, we're amusing ourselves to death, to use Neil Postman's book that I loved hearing Mike refer to, right? And so, uh, and when, was it in a staff meeting or was it in a service? And so I can, it was, it's yeah. a fantastic book, just talking about this guy wrote, and it was almost prophetic in, in the 80s, talking about the invention of the television and how it was going to become a deterrent for human, you know, use, humans using their mind well. And so what we have is he's seeing that come to fruition in a major, major way that we are just consumed in the 24-hour news cycle. We get to be in the loop, and it's happening right in front of us. But yet we know the end, right? We've got Scripture, and we've got God's plan for our lives, and that should be what we're seeking out with everything that we have because it's got answers to all these questions and all the things that are pricking our interests as we're, as we're watching what's happening in the world. And so I think you're right. I think we can, we can, we can have that delicate balance of realizing God's an innovative God, and mm -hmm. He gives people wisdom and He gives people creativity and to create some really cool uses for technology. But at the same times when we consume, when we consume ourselves with the daily monotony of hearing who's wrong, who's right, mm -hmm. we're not using our minds well uh, within that space, and so. Um, I think, yeah, I just think of all the fruit that has happened in the past 20 years with technology and bringing us closer. But at the same time, the underbelly, when that becomes an idol, just as what we talked about, then we see its, then we see its repercussions in a major way. Yeah, and, I, and it's not new. Oh, sure. I mean, I think that's what we need to really take, kind of take a breath and take hold of, is that it's not new. I mean, Jesus himself spoke so much about the kingdom of God and I think for many reasons, but one of them I think was this reason. Yeah. That that even then, even though there weren't technology tickers or all the ways that you could access information, you know, even then it was the fiefdoms and the nations and the peoples and the tribes and you know, the various kingships and governments mm -hmm. that that people would get caught up in the lording of power, even two of his most faithful followers. Come to, come to him and say, well, I want, I'd like to be vice president and like secretary of state, sure. right? Like, you know, like, and, and, and he has to rebuke them. I mean, I think, but so Jesus though, instead of focusing on any of that says, Hey, it's really about the kingdom of God. Mm. And, and I agree with what, what you said, Paul. I think, I think the idea of consuming so much information about governments and nations, about the news that's out there on those things I, I, w I would say that most people who would call themselves churched or Christian or even possibly conservative evangelicals in the current political climate, I would potentially, I, I would assert at the risk of being critiqued, 
I would assert that they know more about what's going on with nations and governments than they do with what the biblical narrative of the kingdom of God is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if, if, we, if we miss what the narrative, what the story of God's kingdom is really about, no wonder we don't think of each other as neighbors. Yeah. No wonder we don't think of each other as someone who would sit at the table with me with Jesus. No wonder we don't think of, you know what I mean? Like, sure. we, like we don't we don't catch the thing that he's really up to, that the king is himself, Jesus, is really up to. And and so I think that's a huge part of it as well. I think we've we've got to be careful too in our in how we speak to one another, um, regarding saying, Well, it's just gone downhill. The past couple mm-hmm. of years, it's been going downhill since the fall. Yes, I mean, think, I mean, I mean, we we've 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 had no hope. Uh, we have no hope apart from Christ, regardless. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that can be deceptive is to think that we own a culture, is that we have to keep it in our huddle. That's just not the truth. We yeah. we 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 promote Jesus and we promote His coming kingdom, as you say. And uh, and we we work diligently, and we even participate in the public space, because that can usher in. I think that as a part of it. Sure. And so I don't think we need to. Anyone listening needs to think that we're just saying government's bad. And no, no, no. That, it, yeah. it plays a very vital role. I agree. And I so, agree. But it's 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 keeping it in its proper place. I agree. Uh, with with the with the coming kingdom in mind. Yeah, and I think a recurring theme over these past couple of podcasts, and maybe this whole series is the idea of courage. Mm-hmm. And so um, Coach Clayton talked about it in some of the racial reconciliation podcasts about standing in the gap. Do we have the courage to do that? And I think that's some of what I'm hearing here as well, that if we are called to be salt and light, it takes a certain amount of courage to be in the public space like mm-hmm. Jesus was uh, standing for the truth. Um, how do we get there? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Is it just that we don't have enough content, so we're not bold enough? Do you think it's a missional I mean, in your experience, what what do you think it is? Or let's say it this way, other than calling, because obviously we would argue that mm-hmm. these politicians, like the ones you've described, are called to that mm-hmm. to that function or role. Outside of calling, was there something in their minds that sort of set them apart to be willing to engage the public square the way they do? Yeah, I think calling is a huge part of it, Paul. Um, and I, I really do believe that those who go up there with a genuine desire uh, to make change really see uh have eyes that god opens mm-hmm. it's it's almost a skills being lifted just as paul talks about um when they're in their communities and it's part of living that act one a model right the jerusalem living mm-hmm. in my jerusalem and seeing oh my gosh i see i work with different organizations with students all the time in service projects i see ways that it's there's vastly unfair uh, rules that are happening within my own community. And for me, I live in a country that allows even for an ordinary citizen, citizen to make a change. True. And I can run and I can yeah. galvanize and I can coalesce together. Uh, so I think that's the people that are genuinely up there wanting to make a change is because they're living on a missional model and saying, you know what? My community's hurting and I have answers. And we're not creating a theocracy here. Sure. We're just trying to love right. people. Right. Sure. And so... And if that's an avenue, again, they come and ask me, well, what is it you believe and why you believe it? 
Well, I was up there many times where I saw good men and women of faith who were serving in the halls of Congress who says, well, let me tell you why I believe what I believe. Mm. They're not using their role. They're not using their position as a way to proselytize and to share, you know, to evangelize. But they're using their positions just to love people yeah. well and, and give God glory with everything that they have, which is why we've been put on this earth. Right? Well, and, and similar to the way Jesus engaged in the public space, that kind of courage, that kind of living that you just described, is what will give them the chance yes. as they relate with people to to dialogue about why. But it's not, and I don't mean that just in the evangel even evangelism sure, sure, sense. I sure. mean, like to even talk about the greater purpose that they have because they are they've sold out to the idea that the kingdom of God matters more than any kingdom of men. Yep, and so they can live in that space with more freedom, with mm -hmm. more purity. With more of a of a, there's nothing to lose, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to gain because this is about the kingdom of God. It's not no. about the kingdom of men, and I think, I think that's big. And you hit it on the head a while ago. It's a, it's an Eden issue, and it continues to be. It's about it's the same thing with race relations. It's the same thing with every fat. It's about conquering each other. Yep. And so, if if a theocracy, for instance, as, as you just said, as you as you uh, referenced, if that's the goal, we would have to conquer to get there. Yeah. Well, that's the sin from Eden. Yep. Is let's just conquer each other because nobody else is looking out for my good. Right? That's the lie of the evil one. Mm -hmm. When the father himself is saying, No, 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 I love you. I am looking out, and so much so that I'll instead of conquer you, I'll subject myself. Yep. Right? So that's why Jesus comes. No, no, you know, I I love that in John 13. I don't think we pointed out enough. That in John 13, the washing feet of the feet passage, when Jesus washes their feet, that whole story, that washing feet story starts with, John starts it with this statement. He realized at that time that all authority had been given to him. Mm -hmm. So if anyone, if anyone had the right to say, well, I'm actually the king, right? like, like he could have, but the king himself says, well, I didn't, but I didn't come to conquer you. Mm-hmm. I didn't come to conquer you. I can't. And I think that mentality is what we've lost. And it's the civility, yeah. right, of being able to say, let's do have an honest debate. Yeah. So, so I think the distinction, and I love the question, Paul, I love that last question because I think it highlights the distinction of what would make a politician or just even a citizen, a citizen yeah. you know, a citizen be able to live with courage if they have a kingdom of God mindset mm -hmm. and they're sold out to not to that. And so the kingdom of men, it highlights the distinction that their faith is informing their politics yep. more than their politics is informing their faith. Right. So like talk about that for a few minutes, because that's something you and I have talked about offline before, just yeah. sitting in rocking chairs at the minister's retreat before. But like talk about how I mean, how do we encourage those listening to, first of all, become aware that their politics might be informing their faith more than their faith, their politics. Sure. But then secondly, maybe just an, your own suggestions, your own understandings as you've mm. experienced it as to how that transformation, that change can start, right? Because mm -hmm. nobody's going to do it overnight. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to grasp what kingdom of God living looks like. And none of us will, yeah. right? But but how do we start? How do we say, okay, I surrender my politics to you, Jesus, yeah. 
and then move from there? Like how, to encourage and like give yeah. some encouragement to that. So in 2016, I was up, I was still in Washington serving uh, as, a, as, a, as a congressional staffer and I was part of a church plan. I'll never forget uh, my pastor was doing it. It was right in the heat of that presidential election. And he goes, um, if you either, if you are looking down upon a neighbor or a friend or a colleague or a coworker based upon his or her's political belief. That's not a political problem. That's a gospel problem. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized for me, I have to go and just as Paul talks about, die to myself each and every day and notice the things inside of me that are causing me to not have kingdom mindset. It's good. Right. And so for me, if I'm looking at a person and I, and for me, I was consumed with it because it was my job. True. But I don't think it's all that different living in Brentwood, Tennessee, compared to Washington, D.C., because it's the way we interact with it, right? And so I, I think for us, it's it's noticing, it's allowing, again, it's being attuned to the Holy Spirit is a massive part of that, uh, of realizing, okay, I'm not living within my gospel influence right now. Uh, and then, but at the same time, be a part of the political process. Again, I think... The Holy Spirit, when we're living in kingdom and life, I think we can call it injustice. Yeah. I really do. Mm. And I and I believe that Jesus gives us authority to do that. That's good. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit pricks our spirit to say, you're calling that out. And so it's just living, again, for the least of these, as Christ talks about, loving our neighbor, caring for the widow. I mean, there's so much happening that are affecting these sections. I, I love... What I've what I've seen in my time, my brief time living in Middle Tennessee, is the way we emphasize adoption in the adoption community. That's part of a political process that we're a part of. We may not think of it as such because it's not glamorous, but what you're doing is you're taking kids and and families from difficult situations, bringing them into your own, mm-hmm. and saying you're worth it, and you're giving a picture of the gospel. That's good. That's where I think you have political processes and godly living working alongside each other in conjunction with each other. But I still believe, I still believe that we have got, we have got, we have got, we have got to keep on being aware of when is those times when our consumption and when that becomes and then it turns into an idol and then it turns into what we base everything of. We've got to be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, Because if not, then we're going to start seeing people uh, not how God calls us to see them. Uh, so debate, run for Congress. I would tell our, our community to do that uh, yeah. because there's work to be done there, right? Uh, but don't make it a thing where it's 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 for what you can offer to this world. Yeah, It's you seeing a need and meeting it just as I would walking down the street. That's good. Right? Yeah. And so, I so, hope so one thing that's been on my mind from a book I'm listening to um, – it's called Weapons of Math Destruction. But the lady's <laughs> making the argument that these algorithms that are dictating a lot of our lives and even some policy decisions, uh, when we scale those to you know, terabytes and massive amounts and huge scales of nations and so forth, that's when they really become dangerous. Mm. And what I really liked in the last two things you've said is that if we're focused on loving people, then our scale might just be our neighborhood initially mm. or our local community. And you, I know my mistake early on was I wanted to flip the whole world over in one, you know, one fell swoop, one idea. That's all I need is the one idea. And you look at Jesus, some of what Jason's saying here about Jesus had the right for that. And if Ezekiel 18, 1 Timothy and 2 Peter are right, God desires all people to be saved. Mm -hmm. 
that's a massive scale. All people who have ever existed. And yet he began with 12 guys wandering around Galilee um, and Jerusalem and so forth. And then we see the world impact of that. And I wonder, as the old line goes, um, if we're radically underestimating what we can do in a decade or maybe a generation and radically overestimating what we can get done in a, a year or one election or one yeah. whatever our perspective is. Yeah, exactly Just simply right. love people where you are is what I hear you saying mm-hmm. repeatedly. And it sounds like that's what some of these Congress folks that you've dealt with, that was their mentality. Yeah, I think they're, I mean, again, I, I always want to check people when they say they're just all corrupt and all bad. And I'm like, no, that's not it. You're just seeing, you're hearing that. And you're, you've got to be able, there's some good people up there. But if you don't feel represented, you're a part of that process. Mm-hmm. And so for you to be able to do that. Uh, and so I think it's massive, massively important. But going what you're saying, Paul, some of our greatest moments in our country's history happened because people started loving their community well. People, a couple of African-American men went to Woolworths in North Carolina because they saw injustice and from a simple demonstration of loving their communities well. And then that rose up. It's contagious. I do mm-hmm. believe that missional living is contagious. Mm-hmm. I see it in our students every day. Right now, our big things that what we're trying to do and what our students are grasping a hold on is missional living. They cannot wait to go to Chicago every summer because they are seeing a need and they're meeting it and they're being able to use their gifts and talents to accomplish it. That's all from God, right? That's that's a godly mandate that they're they're incorporating. Um, I see them from our middle school students when we go to Mission 615 downtown Nashville. When they're seeing a need in their own backyard, they're being able to use their resources, their gifts to fulfill it. It's not all that different. Yeah. It really isn't. And so, and it's it's using that power and influence well, and being a good mm-hmm. steward of it. And I and I I just think that if people catch on, and just like our students, their friends and their halls are seeing this, and they're experiencing it, they're coming alongside. And right now, we're seeing people come to faith because they're going on mission trips with us. Yeah. I mean, that's that's living within mm-hmm. your godly influence, and and realizing that God's call is calling you. Uh, to be to make good policy as a sixth grader by simply giving out food, yeah. you that sixth grader is being a policymaker. I truly believe that mm-hmm. because he he or she is being creative and thinking, okay, how can I love my neighbor well? And I'm going to use resources and be a good steward of that. It's not a little different than a stimulus package that happens in Washington. It's not a little different than a budget, right? So uh, I think for us, it's perspective there. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, and it's that mindset of let's, you know, we, I've said this a few podcasts ago. Sometimes we get so ambitious to start a movement. We miss the movement Jesus started. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, his is a pretty good one. <laughs> and so, it's I mean, the most power behind it. I it's think, pretty, pretty, yeah. So decent as the one that wins. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, you hit it on the head. I think, it's understanding the power and the beauty and the richness of what those small things can do. Jesus says this in Matthew 10 at the end of the chapter in Matthew 10, he, he basically tells the follow his followers in that, in that element of sending them out as he did, you know, Hey, start with a cool cup of water, right? Give someone a cool cup of water to drink, mm-hmm. right? It's, this isn't some grand scale of a thing, but like what you were saying earlier, 
but if I try to turn something on its everything on its head, it's the grand scale of that algorithm that sure. can create a conquest mindset or a why are you messing with my convictions mindset or a, you know all the other things that probably drive us to be ununited or or to be divided. Um, you know, instead of the things that if we were sold out to the kingdom of God, we might see it differently. So as we wrap up here, um, I mean, there's simple things people can do, right? You, you, for example, if you're of one political persuasion and all you've ever done is critique someone of the other political or another political persuasion, but you've actually never really talked to someone of the other political persuasion, Maybe that's a good start, right? Yeah. Like, like, don't just critique them because the news channel you decided to make your own consumptive news channel told you to do so, right? Like, like, decide. I think I'll actually go uh, grab some Del Frisco's or some Uncle Julio's or local taco. Or have you tried the soy bistro yet up in Brentwood? Because that Korean food there is pretty good too. So <laughs> no, this is sponsored by. No, it's good. Yeah. So, but like, go grab a meal or some coffee with someone. That's an easy place to start. What else? Like, what else would you say to folks? You know, hey, you can get involved. We've challenged them with that through this episode so far. But what are some little things they can do to just even better understand? Yeah. who who the other side is, so to speak, as they might think of it. Yeah, don't, I think it's, it's, it's funny to say, but I think watch different news channels. Like, <laughs> you know, sure. get different, you know. Uh, find yourself, whether you agree to political persuasion or not, I think it's always good to have an awareness of what is what it's a exegesis of the people that are around me, right? Yeah. How do they understand? How do they, how are they coming up? With the things, but I think you hit it on the head. So much of what people do and how they come to certain conclusions are based upon their past. And so, if you get to know a person's basically where, where they come from, how they got here, that's going to go such a far way in how you dialogue with them mm-hmm. and how you see them. Yep. Uh, and then we we don't see them as the enemy anymore. I mean, I think Paul Paul said it as well in the podcast. He was just like, we got to have a gospel centric political theology at the same time yep. and so we've i think we've got to search the scriptures and we've got to hold each other to accountability there uh, but i would say yeah it's it's something as easy as getting to know you know your neighbor who believes differently has a political d- opinion that's different than yours but it also could be something as big as running right i think sure there, there's people of influence all over this community that God is, you know, slowly working within their hearts and minds to be able to see, you know what, maybe God is, I'm called to be a steward of everything God's given me. Maybe this is the one way that, I, that I'm supposed to be able to love my neighbor as well. It's good. So I think it's across all the spectrum. Uh, nonprofits are all over town, too. I think there's some really good work being done uh, that you can get involved in and know exactly where is God, you know, what is in your story that resonates with a particular policy or a particular nonprofit work yeah. and work in that way. I still think there's multiple ways that we can not just give our money, but we can actually give our time and our effort and our strength. Yeah. And I think that's, that will go a huge way too yep. um, in our political dialogue with each other. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I want to ask one more. In addition to amusing ourselves to death, what would be some resources, books, podcasts, whatever, that our people could engage that would not necessarily tell them what to think, but provoke thoughtful thinking. Sure. sure. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Moore at the RLC. I think they do good work. Um, and so I would read onward, uh, kind of navigating the culture 
Uh, John Stone Street is a great author. Um, he's at the Chuck Colson Center in mm-hmm. Colorado, and he mm-hmm. wrote a practical guide to culture. Mm-hmm. How do we interact with a lot of these hot button issues that politicians are really talking about, and what is our scriptural foundation for that? Mm-hmm. Um, ben Sass, a, a, a senator, I, I, I'm not going to make a political endorsement on on this podcast, but I think his The Vanishing American Adult is one of the most incredible. Uh, ex- exposés of why we're here, sure, and mm-hmm. why where we are not, um, why we are not progressing as far as society goes, and and we're we're falling into the tribal traps. Mm. Uh, how do we go back to the basics of how do we work well together? That's mm. good. Uh, is, is it's a great book as well. Um, those would be some that have heavily influenced me, and we'll, and we'll link to those in the in the show. Yeah, notes. and so those. Um, those have been heavily influential for me just to kind of go back to the fundamentals. Wayne Grudem, if you're a heady theologian and you want to read a textbook about politics, go read Wayne Grudem's Intro to Politics. It took me about five years, but I loved every minute of it. And so, and so, but, um, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good text as well. Again, if you, if you're, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're concise and you're organized, your brain works like mine where you can read section by section on different issues that are interesting to you at the time. I think those are some good resources for sure. uh, to be able to read and, and to, um, to continue to grow in knowledge there. Yeah. And I want to, I want to just repeat something you said earlier. I, I would challenge our listeners that if you find yourself only listening or receiving that ticker that Paul talked about earlier, that your news from one source, if that's it, you just have one source and you never look to other sources that I would just encourage you just try it for a month. Mm. Like just take a month and try. So let's say you listen. Yeah. I'm just going to give some example. Let's say all you listen to is CNN or all you listen to is Fox news or all, you know, or you never ever have paid attention to the breaking news headlines from the New York Times or from NPR or from the Washington Post or like whatever it is you've always ignored, <laughs> like select one or two of them and just get a different perspective. Sure. Because we have to be honest, news for the most part nowadays has bias because of ratings. Like people, they want to push stories that get ratings and often the biases come through in it. And then some journalism has some purity, some more purity to it. It will mm-hmm. find find both, like find sure. the ones that maybe have the bias, but find try to find one or two that you feel like, you know, they do a good job of pushing back on whoever they're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. Or of of challenging those types of things. And so, you know, look for that. Even if you just try it for a month, I bet you'll get to the other side of that month and think, you know, hey, so now I can progress to Grudem's book on politics right yeah. after that. So. No, that's good. Well, man, any any final thoughts from you guys uh, before we wrap up here? And I encourage you to get to know Mac if you don't. No, oh, man, I he's agree. A blessing for us and our students, and certainly to our team. Um, he's on the broader team that I'm on here at Brentwood Campus, so it's uh, been rewarding. Yep. working with him. Appreciate you guys. This has been fun, and so it's always good to dialogue. And so I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, um, man, for our church. It's awesome. And if you decide to read Grudem. 
Mac will read it again with you. <laughs> if you can set five years aside, he's in. He's in. He's in. Oh my goodness. So so now I do have to ask before we close. I do have to ask. So can we anticipate like a run for Congress or Senate for Mac Johnson at some no, point? Or no, like is I'm that to get married, my friend? And so that's what am I talking about next year, brother? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking. <laughs> no, I'm just talking. I got to run through everything with with my future wife right now. And so, uh, but no, I, I think for me, I'm called to where I'm. I'm at where I'm supposed to speak. Where I'm good. called, and so uh, I'm loving working with our students here, and uh, and creating an atmosphere to where they're exposed to a whole lot of different things. That's good. Uh, that can give them uh, a greater base of how they can know and love Jesus and love people. And so um, I want to be able to to continue that, and it's it's a great team that I'm working on. But I've always got a ear to the ground. And so if you ever have any questions, I always welcome a good dialogue, a good debate. That's good. I know you do. I know you do. Well, we're glad you joined us for this episode. Be looking for next week as we continue on in this True North theme, the True North series right now uh, with our Brentwood family of churches. And as we say every time, you know, we really, our biggest prayer really is that we would all uh, as followers of Jesus become disciples of Jesus who make disciples with Jesus and and in that making disciples everyday mentality engagement with politics is a big deal so maybe we've said something that challenged you or offended you I don't know uh but you're welcome to send us any affirmations questions or rebukes to uh jdukes at brentwoodbaptist.com or pwilkinson at brentwoodbaptist.com we appreciate you tuning in and look forward to talking with you again soon Thank you.